0: Welcome in divers Whoo, we got lots to talk about and I'm gonna let you guys know right now I am recording this way later than normal This is publishing at 5 a.m. And right now it's 12. So I just finished watching the Saints and Raiders game We're gonna be able to talk about that because usually, you know I go over the Monday game on the next podcast that comes out Thursday, but we're gonna go over that today We have lots to talk about some things good, but there's a lot of bad Unfortunately, as you guys know, we got a lot of damage control this week. So many guys have gone down, and because of how many guys have gone down, what I really want to start with is the waiver pickups because that's the single most important thing. That's probably the most important thing you want to hear and the thing that you're tuning into here, the guys you sh- should be picking up. So I'm going to start with my waiver pickups. I'm only naming people that I Things should be picked up that are owned in less than 35% of leagues, according to Yahoo. Yahoo gives me the percentage, so I go ahead and use Yahoo for this exercise. Gardner Minshew is still on waiver wires. Why? I don't know. I've been touting him as a top 12 quarterback since June, and you guys know this, and if you guys rolled with me, you're sitting pretty right now, especially if you were grabbing the three guys I was grabbing everywhere, especially Burrow and Minshew. Both are looking really good right now. Mitchu is on fire, and his schedule is about to get easy too. So, and and we get to watch him on Thursday night versus the Dolphins. So, and that should be a pretty decent matchup for him as well. So he's going to keep going. Mitchu is a great pickup. He's owned in thirty-two percent of leagues right now. Logan Thomas also owned in thirty-two percent of leagues. He had a whole bunch of targets week one, and he had a whole bunch of targets week two. He had nine targets in week two, so he's clearly a big part of that offense, and he's going to get better and better. You know, he didn't produce much off his nine targets. I expect that to get better. He just had an off game. Big deal. Jordan Reed, 7%. I, I don't remember if I mentioned his name, if I slipped it in there in the last podcast, but Jordan Reed was somebody I picked up in a couple leagues because, I mean, we know how good he was whenever he was healthy. His problem was always health, not efficiency or being good on the field. And He had an opportunity with George Kittle out, and he took full advantage of it. He was great, and George Kittle's still out. As far as we know now, so Jordan Reed's well worth a pickup. So is Dalton Schultz, another tight end benefiting from an injury. Blake Jarwin, he went out and, you know, it's cool to see Schultz doing good. It's kind of, you know, uh, bittersweet is the word because you guys know how I was t- touting Jarwin as a top 12 tight end all offseason season. And it looks like it really would have been true because Dalton Schultz is taking his role and Dalton Schultz is not as good as him and he's producing. Dalton Schultz had a really good game versus the Falcons and he's only owned in 2% of leagues. So if you need tight end help, honestly, this was a really, really good good year to wait on tight ends because we have so many tight ends late performing. And like I just said, Logan Thomas on the waivers, Jordan Reed on the waivers. We've had other guys show up on the waivers already from week one. So... Dalton Schultz is worth a pickup. Then we got Terrell Henderson. So he, and this is part of the reason I wasn't super high on Malcolm Brown as a pickup. I mean, yes, he was worth a pickup, but I wasn't spending a lot of money on him. Because Henderson was hurt week one, and he was the guy that they drafted two years ago, you know? So when it comes to him and Malcolm Brown, they would probably prefer that Henderson is the guy in the limelight, the guy that if it's not going to be Akers for whatever reason... That Henderson is the guy out there, and he did really good, especially because Cam Akers got hurt. So Darrell Henderson's worth a pickup. We don't know how, you know, long Akers is going to be out. I don't think it's going to be a a long time, and I think when he comes back, he will take control of that backfield. He only hurt his ribs, and sometimes players will play through it, and they won't miss any time. Sometimes they'll just sit back and recover for a week or two, so it shouldn't be too long on Akers. Another guy that I really like, Keelan Cole. He's only owned in 3% of leagues. Minshew's balling out, and somebody's got to benefit from it, right? The person that's benefited so far, unfortunately, has not been DJ Chark. It's been Keelan Cole, and he's led the team in targets. He's been very efficient with his targets, and you know Minshew just seems to have a connection with him. So I like Keelan Cole in really deep leagues if you need a receiver. Another receiver, this is more of long-term, he's not going to help you right away, Chase Claypool. He's been good with the very few... Targets he's gotten i don't expect him to be good this week or next week or maybe even the next week but if you have a deep bench and you can stash him he could be one of those guys that is a really good wide receiver down the stretch as he gets more and more work and gets you know a bigger route tree and gets higher snap couch and everything you know all that good stuff then russell gage 22 percent. i do want to say though there is a caveat with him he's a good pickup in deep leagues i'm not expecting him to produce anywhere near what he's produced so far why There's three big reasons. Reason one, Matt Ryan has, I don't, you know, have it exact, but off the top of my head, I think Matt Ryan's had almost 100 pass attempts between these last two games. He's obviously not going to pass 50 times every week. It's probably going to regress down to like 40 or 38. And that's obviously going to hurt the targets to everybody. Even if Russell Gage kept the same target share, he's going to get reduced targets. Not only that, but I think another big reason that he's had big targets so far is Hayden Hurst is getting worked into the offense. He's new, so they're not giving him that Austin Hooper role. He's not getting the same type of targets. It might get there eventually, and that might also hurt Russell Gage. And the last thing is that Julio Jones was dealing with a hamstring injury, and I believe he only had four targets in this last week versus the Cowboys. So Russell Gage has a lot of things working against him. He might be somebody that you know was just a few week like wonder in the beginning of the season but he'll probably still be pretty good for a week or two I don't think he's going to be somebody that you're going to be happy with all season though now we'll talk about somebody that is stepping in for someone we all hold dearly you know one of the fantasy darlings Saquon Barkley unfortunately he's out of out for the season with a torn ACL so that's two seasons in a row where he had a, a big injury obviously he didn't miss the whole season last year but he still had a Uh, Important injury. Now let's talk about Dion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. Gallman, I really have no interest in. If you told me that Barkley went down before the week was started, I would have said, "Hey, Gallman's worth a look." But Gallman didn't really get much work at all. He actually got pretty much no work. I think he had one touch. Um, So Dion Lewis dominated touches. He turned in a double-digit fantasy performance once he was out there on the field, and you know the fact that they're losing Barkley. And Sterling Shepard's dealing with something now with his foot. Uh, they're, I think turf toe is what they're saying it is. He is, you know, going to be seeing good targets. And it's going to be Deion Lewis, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, and Golden Tate. That's going to be their offense. They're not going to be, you know, be able to run nearly as much. And the schedule is going to get much easier as well. And that's going to be something I'm going to mention later on when we talk about Daniel Jones in a certain category of the show. But I'm dropping at least 50% at least 50% of my budget on Deion Lewis. Especially, like, not just, I'm not talking Saquon Saquon Barkley owners. If you're a CMC owner, if you're just somebody that needs a running back, if you're trying to play keep away, you know, if you got your league locked up from what you can see right now, assuming you don't lose anybody else to injury, which is a dangerous assumption, of course. But if you're feeling good, but you have a bench spot, dude, just get Deion Lewis so that you can keep him away from other teams so he doesn't end up on a competitor. So... Deion Lewis, I'll drop at least 50% of my budget. Devonta Freeman is another good one. He's a free agent. I actually picked him up since he's a free agent. A lot of leagues let you pick, you know, people up that haven't played a game yet. And obviously he didn't play a game because he's not on a team. So I picked up Devonta Freeman immediately once the Saquon Barkley news came out and then CMC as well. Devonta Freeman signing somewhere. There's no way he does not sign somewhere and he's already vi- going vi- to go visit the Giants. So Devontae Freeman, he's only 11% owned. By the way, Deion Lewis, I don't know if I said it was 5% owned. Freeman is well worth a pickup, but because we don't know where he's going, and I mean, I know, by the way, Deion Lewis has risk if Freeman signs there, but I think between Lewis and Gallman, it's more likely that Freeman will go to the Panthers. I haven't seen a report saying that he's going to visit them yet, but you have to think he's going to visit them before he just decides to sign with the Giants. So Freeman's going to get picked up somewhere, and he's going to get a role somewhere, especially if, you know, injuries keep piling up. So he's worth a pickup and a hold. Then let's talk about Nikhil Harry. 27% ownership so far. That should be up at like 50% because Cam Newton is, he's showing that Nikhil Harry is somebody that he really trusts. You know, he's gone to Nikhil Harry in this past game versus the Seahawks in critical situations, third downs, you know, the end late game. And despite the fact that we all were like, oh, Nikhil Harry's going to be in Belichick's doghouse because of that fumble, At the goal line in week one versus the Dolphins, he got a big snap share, and it was just him and Edelman. Granted, James White was not there, and Cam Newton was throwing the ball a lot more than we expect him to. I think that Nikhil Harry is still going to be a really good pickup. And speaking of how much Cam threw the ball, he threw the ball 44 times, and Seattle was just dropping so much points. Russell Wilson was amazing in that game. So I don't see any reason that Camden's gonna be throwing above 40 passes in most games. So that's gonna hurt them a little bit between Edelman and Harry and with James White coming back, but I like Harry a lot. If anything, I think Edelman's more affected by James White returning. Then we have Mike Davis, another guy, because McCaffrey's out. So Deion Lewis is a season-long thing, and that's why I'm gonna spend way more of my budget on Deion Lewis than Mike Davis. Mike Davis, I'm probably dropping like 30 to 40% of my budget, because he's only going to be there for, you know, between four and six weeks, he's only he's going to be the starter. And if McCaffrey is anything like Barkley, remember when Barkley got injured last year, we were like, Oh, Barkley's going to be out six to eight weeks. And what was it he missed like three weeks only and he like recovered way faster than anybody thought. I mean, McCaffrey might be on that same level. If McCaffrey recovers quickly, maybe Mike Davis is only starting You know, three games while McCaffrey's out and McCaffrey comes back early. So Mike Davis, I'm not going to spend nearly as much. Also, Deion Lewis is a better running back than Mike Davis, especially because Lewis is a good receiver and Davis is not really that type of player. Then Miles Gaskin, he's 15% owned. He, at this point, has shown my Breda love to be wrong, I guess you could say. And yeah, he's, you know, he's their lead back. He's really good. He looks good running and receiving. A lot of times when I see Gaskin, if I don't see the number, I'm like, oh, that's Breda. They put Breda in because Breda is somebody that's always very efficient on touches, is quick, has good burst. And that's what Gaskin looks like. So I, I'm very comfortable spending money on Gaskin. I would spend just as much on Gaskin as I would on Mike Davis because Gaskin, he you know, he's not going to be in as good of an offense. And he's sharing the ball with more people than Mike Davis will. But Gaskin is going to be a season long play. Then you have Jarek McKinnon. So... Initially, I said I was dropping like 25%, but now that Tevin Coleman is also going to be missing time, him and Raheem Mostert, and Jarek McKinnon is basically left in that backfield as the main guy in both areas of the game, running and receiving, most likely. McKinnon is somebody that you could drop 30% on, or 35% on, and I would not be against it at all. There's so many running backs on this waiver, and I'll tell you this, when you have a week like this. You have to take advantage of it. If you hold your money and say, ah, you know, it's all right. I feel like I don't like these running backs too much. Maybe I'm sure somebody else will come up with an opportunity. What if it doesn't happen? You don't want to take that risk. You have an opportunity now. Take the opportunity now. Plus, even if you're worried about, you know, Tevin Coleman getting healthy, Devin Coleman sucks, man. Like, he's so washed. Jarek McKinnon should be the number two in that offense behind Mostert. So even when, you know, all the Niners backs are healthy, McKinnon still should be somebody that you're able to play. Then we got three more. KJ Hamler, he's 1% owned. He's a sneaky one because Sutton is going to miss the year. That really helps Jerry Judy. And we're going to talk about him later in a different segment as well. But KJ Hamler is only owned in 1% of leagues, and he's going to be the wide receiver too, most likely. And it's going to be him, Judy, and Fant in the passing game, well, as long along with Melvin Gordon. So... He's definitely worse worth a stash, worth a shot in, you know, fourteen team leagues or twelve team leagues with deeper benches, you know, more than six spots. So I like KJ Hamler. And then the last two, we're gonna talk defenses. I'm gonna talk you know, I talk about defenses on my Thursday podcast, and I'm like, you know, these are the guys I like to stream. But if you're spending money and you're trying to pick up them pick them up in fab, I would say if Tampa defense or the Titans defense is on the waiver wire to pick them up because and you could drop a couple a couple bucks on them too because tampa defense one is way better and this is not just coming from me as a bucks fan tampa defense is way better than everyone realizes and honestly like the the tampa bay secondary could be a top three secondary neck as as soon as next year like Carlton Davis might be a top 10 corner. Sean Murphy Bunting is on his way to being a very good corner, especially as a corner two. Jamel Dean as the corner three is amazing. Antoine Winfield and Jordan Whitehead, especially Winfield, are you know very young, promising guys. And then you have Devin White at the linebacker core, uh, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea, and then Ndamukong in the D-line. And it's very well coached. Very well coached by Todd Bowles. So they're a great defense, and guess who they have next week? Not Drew Locke, because he's out. Not Cortland Sutton, because he's out. Not Phillip Lindsey, probably, because he's probably still out. So they're facing a shattered, like completely just destroyed Broncos offense, which already was not like a really high-scoring offense. They were, you know, like to run the ball down your throat and be efficient with the passing game, but they weren't just launching it all over the place like putting up 35 points so that's a great matchup for the Tampa defense and then the Titans defense are playing the Vikings and the Vikings just got murdered by the Colts Kirk Cousins has taken a safety in both week one and week two and they're just not looking good at all and the Titans have a good defense so those are the two defenses I like to pick up and spend some money on if you need to now let's talk about what we learned you know I'm going to go through the games hopefully not going to take too long and you know just talk about some things that are important to know for the future we're going to start with the chargers and the chiefs justin herbert looked way better than expected which by the way that was dirty like the the chargers didn't tell nobody they said you know what let's just keep this you know close to the chest or close to the vest which one is it i'm not sure um send me a message if you know because i'm not going to look it up uh justin herbert you know we're just going to throw him out there we're not going to tell anybody so nobody has a chance to game plan against them or anything. So they threw him out there and he, to me, looked pretty good. There was a couple things that were really dumb that he did. Uh, One play where he threw either. I don't remember if he threw the interception or if, you know, it was just almost an interception and it should have been caught. But I think it was the interception that he threw when he was, it was like third and one, he's at the 40 yard line and he's running. He com- completely escapes the pocket He's at the line of scrimmage. There's nobody in front of him. All he has to do is run forward. And he's already running. Like, he has momentum, everything. Going sideways towards the sideline. All he has to do is step forward. All he has to do is step forward or stick his arm out to get the first down on third and one. And, you know, he, he looks like a rookie because what does he do? He, he throws the ball 30 yards down the field at, like, the 10-15 yard line and gets it intercepted. Throws it into double coverage to Keenan Allen. Horrible play. But with that said, He's a rookie. He was somebody that we didn't think was going to be ready. He looks more ready than I expected. I was not somebody high on Herbert. I am kind of curious to see if he's going to prove me wrong now. So, Herbert, you know, if if you you drafted him in Dynasty, I'm feeling pretty good. Not going to lie, I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm somebody like I said was not super high on Herbert, but I am not afraid to say when I'm wrong or when I think I'm going to be wrong or whatnot. And he's got the weapons, so. You know, I could end up being very wrong on Herbert, especially if he runs the ball. And, you know, he could be somewhat like a, a Josh Allen Jr., slightly better passer, slightly, you know, worse runner. Then we could talk about Austin Heckler. Guess what? He got his receiving work. Thank goodness he got his receiving work. Finally, him, McCaffrey, a bunch of people did. He got four targets, four receptions, 55 receiving yards. Perfect. That's exactly what we wanted. Also, Josh Kelly did get more attempts than Eckler but Eckler showed that he's the best runner by far he got almost 100 yards on only 16 carries six per that's a really good clip Joshua Kelly on the other hand had 23 carries for only 64 yards 2.8 average and Kelly had a long of seven so Kelly didn't really do anything he didn't look that great and obviously I watched the game he didn't look that good to me like like he's he's strong and stuff and he, he fights through tackles and whatnot but Eckler, to me, I, st- I still think he's the best runner, and obviously he's the best receiving running back on that team. So I- I'm not worried about Eckler at all. I love where his AEP was at. I think he's going to be fine. Hunter Henry's a great tight end play, no matter which quarterback LA rolls out. Apparently, you know uh, Anthony Lynn. He said Tyrod Taylor's our starter, which, by the way, the way he said that was super weird, like super weird, like almost like he was sliding Justin Herbert because the quote was, you know, off the top of my head. So like almost word for word, but the quote was. Tyrod Taylor, when he's 100%, is our starter. Last time I checked, we lost last game. And we weren't able to do some of the things we wanted to with Justin Herbert. So, I mean, that's, like, for him to say that, there's no way if Tyrod's healthy that he's not going to throw Tyrod back out there. Not that I'm saying, you know, oh, I'm getting back on the Tyrod train and I'm trying to save myself, you know, from when from my Ty- Tyrod love. I'm just saying, in terms of Hunter Henry, like, he's going to be good no matter which quarterback is playing and I just wanted to touch on the fact that that was said you know if you have Tyrod in a super flex or something hold him because it's it could be true so I think it would be because I don't think you would throw shade at at the rookie quarterback if, if that's not really what he's thinking then we have Clyde in that game on the other side he got his receiving work too we were worried you know he only got two targets in his first game no receptions uh he's fine he is fine he pulled in Eight targets, six receptions. So don't worry about Clyde at all. He's definitely going to be the receiver that we thought. And finally, for this game, the Watkins experiment is over. Guess what? He was great week one, and he just got hurt. So Watkins, he's droppable. And unless, you know, usually I'm speaking for for normal, for normal leagues. So if you're in a 12, 14 team or something like that, you can't just drop Watkins. But if you're in a normal league, you can drop him now let's move to the patriots seahawks game whoo whoo let's go hopefully that clapping is not too loud because i barely did anything but let's freaking go made it again again by the skin of our teeth if you have been sticking with me on the survivor picks we we made it barely with the chargers week one and oh man i thought we were gonna lose so bad Oh I was so nervous with Cam Newton at the goal line. Oh my goodness. The Seahawks pulled it out so we're still alive. And it's great news because we got Seattle out the way and we got uh the Chargers out the way. We still have the Niners, we still have the the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Saints. Like we have all these good teams that we haven't wasted picks on. You know, Green Bay. Like there's so many we have so many options. The Bills so, I'm feeling super happy, and I actually already know who I'm going to be taking for this next week, but that's not a segment we talk about on this show. That's one we talk about on Thursday's show, so I'm not going to spoil that. But with that said, let's talk about the game. DK Metcalf, he's legit, guys. He is for real legit. He worked Stefan Gilmore all night. All night. And Gilmore is the best corner in the league, him or Tradavius White, in my opinion. You know, you, you still have Jalen Ramsey, and there's a couple other guys too, but. I would say Gilmore or Tredavious White. In my opinion, like my favorite guys at corner position is is those two. And he worked Gilmore. Russell for MVP. The Seahawks are finally, finally letting Russell Wilson land it rip. Five pass touchdowns. Sick. He's got two great receivers. And Carson is being utilized in the receiving game pretty well too. So, I mean, if you took Russell, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Because usually he starts season slow. And then picks up as the season goes on. That's not happening at all this year. They're just letting him, you know, go to work. And that's what they should be doing. Except in the one situation where they should have actually ran the ball. Third and one with, you know, barely any time left on the clock. They're up by five. Third and one, run the ball, Pete Carroll. No, he takes a deep shot, which was ridiculous. He took a deep shot, and obviously they didn't get it. And the Patriots got the ball back and got all the way down to the one-yard line, and Cam Newton got stuffed by Jamal Adams. Thank you, Jamal Adams. Saved us in the survivor pool. But, yeah, so getting back on track is that Russell Wilson's a beast, and Carson is still getting receiving work, and he also got a lot of carries, so we have nothing to worry about with Carson. And now we can move to the Patriots' side of the ball. Nikhil Harry and Edelman, I kind of talked about this already when I was talking about Nikhil Harry, so I won't talk about it too much. Uh, But Nikhil Harry and Edelman, they're probably both going to actually be good. You know, Harry's going to probably be pretty consistent with what he's done so far. And Edelman, he's going to come down from last night. He's not going to have, you know, 20, many 20-point 20 games with Cam Newton because they're not going to have to throw much. And James White will be back. But they're both pretty good. And then I just wanted to say that there's no running backs to own in Pittsburgh. Or i did I really just say Pittsburgh? Uh, with the Patriots in New England. There's no running backs to own there, except maybe James White, maybe, but we only saw him one week, and by the way, James White, I know you're not listening to this, so I'm not going to say if you're listening to this, but James White, everyone throw up some prayers for James White and his family, uh, you know, losing his father in a car accident before the game, That it, it's really just unfortunate, you know, everyone's dealing with all these injuries, but that's definitely the worst thing that could have happened for anybody this week, so You know, I'm throwing up some prayers for James White and his family. Hopefully you do the same. And then we can go to the ravens Texans game. This is going to be super simple. You can't play Ravens running backs, in my opinion. You can't. You just can't. You never know how the carries are going to split out. Gus Edwards led the the, the team in carries this year, or I mean this week. It was Gus Edwards. For real, not J.K. Dobbins. He only got two. Not Mark Ingram. You never know how it's going to go. And the fact that it's not even two that they're splitting between, it's three, and Lamar Jackson runs the ball a whole bunch, you can't trust the Ravens running backs. Look, if you took Dobbins, you, it's fine. You're you're fine for next year if Ingram leaves. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for his third year when Ingram's contract is completely over. But, yeah, Ravens running backs, no thank you. And then Brandon Cooks, he did pretty well. Will Fuller had hammy issues and no targets. So if Will Fuller you know, recovers, is Brandon Cooks going to do as good? Mm, maybe. Maybe. We don't really know. And, you know, is Will Fuller going to recover? That's also an important issue. Oh, and one more thing, actually. I told you guys all offseason, Deshaun Watson. Do not draft him. He's in. The, he was in the same tier as Kyler, Dak, and Russ. And guess what? Those three are destroying. They're all balling out. Deshaun Watson is not. And Deshaun Watson also just had Will Fuller get hurt. Guess what? Brandon Cooks might get hurt more than likely than most players same with David Johnson same with Kenny Stills same with Randall Cobb and you know he's he's in for a, a rough ride honestly Deshaun Watson so hopefully you guys didn't take him anywhere especially if you were taking him in the same range as those other guys because he's by far and away the worst out of all of them so Deshaun Watson not expecting him to do great the rest of the season he's pro- probably still going to be top 10 but he's not going to be what everybody wanted. Then let's look at Washington Cardinals. Shifting from Watson to my boy, boys, Kyler Murray. Let's go. He might be the quarterback one. He might be, and you'll love to see it. He really might. Just think about it. I mean, if Russ doesn't keep this insane pace, Kyler could easily be that guy because he's got the rushing And he's got the receiving, and now he's got the freaking weapons. DeAndre Hopkins, let's go. Hopkins is the game's best wide receiver, and guess what? You can at me. At me. 22 of 25 so far in this season with a brand new quarterback and a brand new offense for 219 yards. At me. Hopkins is the the game's best wide receiver. He can do everything. There's nothing that Hopkins can't do. Okay, he's more dynamic than Michael Thomas. He's more reliable than Julio Jones and a better touchdown threat. He's an amazing route runner. Maybe not top, top notch, but you add that with everything else that he has, Hopkins is the game's best wide receiver. You love to see it. And, you know, I'm feeling good about having him ranked as my wide receiver before. I wish I actually drafted him in more leagues, but actually I don't because I always go running back heavy anyway. Um, because I never took a receiver in the second round. That actually did not happen once this year. I took zero receivers in the second round. It was always either a tight end or a running back. But yeah, Hopkins is a beast. That really changes things for Kyler Murray. You can see it. It's very effective. It also helps him run more. And then we have the Redskins side of the ball. Or I keep saying that. Washington. The Washington football team, whatever. Antonio Gibson. The time is now, guys. The time is now. He led the running backs in attempts and in targets. Okay. And the targets are probably going to go up from two. So now's the time to get him. But I don't want to say that too much because we're going to talk about him later. Then we have Logan Thomas. I talked about him too as a waiver wire guy. He got nine targets. Keep him if you picked him up. And if he's still on the waiver, go get him. And then Terry had a nice day despite, you know, us thinking he might get shut down by Pat Pete. Man. Terry, you might as well just start him every week because he's a great route runner, and so even when he faces good corners, or even if we don't know if he's going to face a good corner or if the corner is going to stay on one side of the ball, one side of the field or whatever, Terry's somebody that you you could basically start anytime because he's going to get open a lot. Then we have the Bills-Dolphins game. Is Josh Allen a top five quarterback? Can you lock it in? Ooh, man. He lets it rip with no care in the world. It's good for Diggs, and it's good for John Brown. Like, Diggs is going to get way more targets than I thought because Josh Allen is throwing the ball way more than I thought would happen this season, especially considering, like, they drafted Zach Moss, who should be better than Frank Gore, and Josh Allen still runs, and you have Devin Singletary there, and they have a good defense. Like, I did not think Josh Allen was going to throw the ball as much as he's thrown it the past two games. I don't think that that keeps up, but with those sick first two games and him still probably throwing more than I thought he would for the rest of the season, even if it's going to come down... Josh Allen might be a top-five quarterback if he stays healthy. You could lock it because the answer to the Moss-Singletary debate is neither. The answer is Josh Allen. And, like, the only thing that the only other thing I could say about Josh Allen is he's a much better fantasy quarterback than he is as a real quarterback. He's still a good quarterback for real, but you know how I told you he lets it rip with no care? Man, he threw, like, four deep balls in a row, and two of them were almost intercepted intercepted one definitely should have been it went it hit both hands on the db and he dropped it and this is in the fourth quarter like five minutes left fourth quarter and they're barely beating the dolphins and he's just taking hella risks and then guess what the db dropped it and the next play was a 40-yard completion you know who like who who would have guessed so i mean it's tough it's tough because like he's a fun watch but if you're a bills fan he's a nervous watch but with that said we can move over to the, the the dolphin side of the ball, and Miles Gaskin. I already talked about him; he looks really good. But one other thing to touch on is this is why we need preseason, man. Like we were all talking Jordan Howard, Matt Breda, Jordan Howard, Matt Breda, and you guys know I was Matt Breda. The answer was Miles Gaskin, and we would have known that, or at least some of us would have been able to see that and predict that and project that if there was a preseason. So that just shows you the importance of it. But Miles Gaskin is good, and then. Fitzpatrick, he threw forty-seven passes, so don't get too excited by the Dolphins' performances by Gasecki and Parker. I mean, you could be happy about Gasecki, of course, but I'm just saying, don't expect all of the guys to do as good as they did because Fitz threw forty-seven times. All right, then we have the Falcons Cowboys game. Oh man, yeah, you guys don't don't forget now. Don't forget, I'm a Bucks fan. I was laughing. I was roll. I was rolling on the floor. I actually had my brother with me watching the game. My little brother, and I was just telling him, you know, like. The Falcons, the Falcons joke all the time, and it's hilarious to me. Um, if any of you guys are Falcons fans, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I promise. Just the team. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the Fa- <laughs> I just have to. I have to. I'm a Bucks fan. I'm sorry. You know, sue me. Don't actually do that. Well, you can't anyway. Okay, I'm. I'm I'm gonna get back on topic. Okay, so the Falcons they can't handle the pressure, man. They they can't handle the pressure. Did you guys see the onside kick? What was that? What was that? The Falcons just needed to grab the ball. I don't know what they were waiting for. They're dumb, dude. So I'm honestly, if you're a Falcons fan, I would be pissed, and I'd probably be cussing at myself right now. So I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll just talk about fantasy. Calvin Ridley, he's looking on pace to hit my top ten wide receiver projection. You know, you guys the the ones that have been listening since the offseason, you guys were there for it. Calvin Ridley, I loved him. I had him as a wide receiver one since I did my very initial projections, and he's always been there. He's he's never moved out of my wide receiver ones, uh, no matter how many adjustments I did to any teams. So Ridley, I love him. I have him so many places. And I think it's also time to worry for Gurley. Because this game, they were ahead the entire time until they screwed it up at the end. And Gurley was still bad. And guess what? You remember that article that I told you my boy Zach wrote about Gurley? And, you know, is he going to see the receiving work? Is that just a dangerous assumption everyone's making? Well, in the article, if you did read it, you would have saw that, hey, Gurley's probably not going to get much receiving work this year. Because Cutter likes to use, especially when he has his number one back in the mold of Todd Gurley, he likes to use those secondary pieces. For the receiving game, which is what we've been seeing with Edo Smith and Brian Hill. And Gurley didn't get any receiving work. So it's time to worry about him. Also, he just doesn't look good running the ball. Like he he doesn't he's not his old self at all, by any means. So I'm super worried about Gurley. And then Julio Jones, he's dealing with some hammy stuff. So don't be too worried about his bad stat line. And then gage and Hurst, they both produced well. I think Hurst is gonna get better. I actually myself in one of my um in one of my dynasty leagues. I traded Zach Ertz for Hayden Hurst and you know as we're gonna see later when we get to the Eagles game I'm feeling pretty good about it because you know Hurst is younger obviously so like I think for the for the future it was better but I'm kind of in like before CMC's injury I guess I was in a position to to really go on a run and just win this season in that dynasty league now losing CMC excuse me, losing CMC hurt me, so, you know, that's, it's gonna be a little different now, but Hurst might actually outproduce Ertz this season, I wouldn't be surprised, and we'll get to that, Gallup disappointed, that's one of my, uh, that's one, one of my misses on the week, I really thought he was gonna go off, you know, and he had that really sick catch, it didn't count, but I really, I, I just really like Gallup, guys, like, he's a good buy low, honestly, um, I don't have him in my by-low section, one of the things we're going to talk about later, but now that I think about it, he's a decent by-low, because I don't think, like, Lamb is just pushing him off the wide receiver two uh, pedestal, you know what I'm saying? So, there's that, and then there's the fact that Schultz, you know, we we talked about him already, he stepped into Jarwin's real nicely. The Cowboys, though, this is interesting, the Cowboys went 11 personnel, for those that don't know how the personnel works, the first number is running back, second number is tight end, so how many you have on the field. And then the others, whatever's left, because it has to add up to five, is wide receivers. The Cowboys went 11 personnel, so one running back, one tight end, three receivers. 85% of the time. 85% of the time. Another reason I think Michael Gallup is a good by-low. Because Gallup, Lamb, and Amari, all three of them were on the field together 85% of the time. So Dak stole three rushing touchdowns as well from Zeke. That sucks for Zeke owners. But he still had a good performance. But yeah, I, I like the... the Cowboys receiving game because of you know the 11 personnel stat then we have the Broncos and Steelers so obviously we have to go over all the injuries in that game which is super unfortunate Drew Locke is going to miss between two to six weeks from you know the updated information that I have maybe something else comes by the time you listen to this but Drew Locke as far as I know is going to miss two to six weeks to his sprained AC joint Cortland Sutton is done for the year and you know, we still don't know the timetable on Philip Lindsay. It could just be another week or two. Melvin Gordon is another one of my misses, but we'll, we'll talk about my misses and hits in a, a section, in, you know, not too long from now. But Melvin Gordon, he had a better day than I expected, for sure. He did have a fluky receiving touchdown, though. It was like a 16-yard receiving touchdown. Ridiculous. Um, that's not something that Gordon does. And it was from the backup quarterback. But, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be a decent RB2 just from the volume, even if like, while Lindsey's out, even though they, they have some tough matchups, including Tampa defense. Like, I'm probably going to put—I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to put Melvin Gordon in my sit column on Thursday's episode because it's versus the Bucks defense. And I know McCaffrey did good, but I told you I was just saying lower expectations. He put up 24 points. Yes, I know, but his average was 30, and it still looked like it was going to be 30 this season. So maybe he still did worse versus the Bucks than other defenses. But, yeah— I mean, I'm probably not looking Melvin Gordon's way. And then we have Judy and Fant. They're both on the rise. Jerry, Judy, the fact that Sutton's out and he's an amazing route runner, he'll be just fine facing cornerback, the best cornerback on teams' defenses. I'm not worried about it. Judy's actually, like, this is going to be a good test for the Bucks. It's going to be a good test for Judy to see, you know, how how is Judy going to perform as the main guy already being a rookie? And it's also going to be a good test for Carlton Davis because – Carlton Davis did really good on Michael Thomas. He did decent on DJ Moore last week. And now he's facing Jerry Judy, who is a deadly route runner. So it's going to be a good test for him. And I'm excited to watch it. And then we have Noah Fant. He's on the rise too because of Sutton being out. I guess Connor's back because, you know, he went for a hundred yards and a touchdown. I mean, honestly, that's just frustrating. Like, they pulled him out, and last last week, obviously being week one, they pulled him out. And he wasn't really looking great to start. And then all of a sudden, he looked great versus the Broncos defense. And he scores a touchdown and puts up, like, more than 15 points in fantasy. And Benny Snell does nothing. Very frustrating. But the, the one thing you can take out of this, and remember this for the future, is that Mike Tomlin does what he says. And he said, look, if Connor's healthy, Connor's our guy. And we're not moving away from him. And that's exactly what happened. So... I think Mike Tomlin is one of those guys, unlike a Pete Carroll, that we could just take him for his word. And then lastly, Deontay Johnson. Smashing. He is smashing. And wherever you drafted him, you drafted him at a great price because he's definitely going to outperform it. He is, you know, somebody that just pulled in 13 targets. 13 targets. And he pulled in like almost double-digit targets last week, I believe. And he could be on a lot of league-winning teams down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised. So he's a great wide receiver, too, honestly. Wide receiver, too, flex play all year. Now we can get to the Rams-Eagles. And remember, I was talking about Ertz earlier, so we'll get to that. But before I get to Ertz, let's talk about the best tight end on the field, baby. It's Higby season. Woo! Higby season. I told y'all. There's no way. There's no way, by the way. No way you know somebody in fantasy that is higher or was higher preseason on Tyler Higby. Than moi, than myself, so I'm gonna take a a mini victory lap on this week. Tyler Higby pulled in only five receptions, but it was off five targets and it was off three touchdowns. So Higby is looking great, and I don't see any reason that he's not gonna be a great tight end this year, especially because you know Cup didn't get super involved. Woods, like honestly, he only got five targets, but nobody pulled in a lot of targets for the Rams so I like Higby a lot and I want to tell you guys something pretty funny I'm not going to call out names or anything because that's not what's important here I just want to tell you the story because I think it's funny one of my boys he also you know does his own fantasy stuff and he's a Rams fan and you know me and him were going all back and forth all season on whether Tyler Hig- Hig- Higbee's gonna be good or not and he kept telling me dude I'm a Rams fan trust me You know, Higby was only good because Everett was hurt. He's going to regress back down to, like, barely being relevant, yada, yada. And I was like, all right, all right, we'll see, we'll see. Guess what? The irony, guys. I played him this week. I played that guy this week, and I played Higby, not even in my tight end spot because I have a better tight end than Higby in my tight end spot. I put Higby in my flex, (laughs) and I destroyed him with his own player on his own team, that he was telling me was going to be, you know, basically a bust this season. So it was super ironic. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I figured I'd just share that with you guys. It's, you know, it's the beauty of fantasy football. That's why we love it. You know, that th- those are the things that we just are here for, you know, despite like money leagues or not. It, it is a money league, but I'm just saying, like that's the kind of stuff that you tune in for. And, and that's why I love fantasy football. So that was sick. And then with the other parts of the game, starting with the Rams. Malcolm Brown, the week one only wonder continues. You know, he was good week one. He put up two touchdowns, just like last year. And then Henderson takes over and Henderson was the guy and Brown didn't look good. So I'm glad that I didn't put much stock into Brown. And then Akers, he started with the ball. You know, he got first first touches. He got hurt, but he did have 13 yards on his only three carries. He hurt his ribs. It's going to be minor and you know i'm not too worried about him if you have acres look i know it sucks but we we usually don't see rookie running backs other than clyde and i guess taylor but that's only because of the mac injury we don't see running backs that are rookies start off hot usually like they'll have great rookie seasons but that usually doesn't start to like week five six seven we saw it with miles sanders last year um who was the other one last year not jacob's Uh, I think, was it just Miles Sanders? There was somebody else last year. I I just can't think of them right now. And then before it was Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara. Like, there's always those guys that come up. And this year, I think Akers could be one of them. I think Gibson could be one of them. So that's why I like both of them still. Goddard, Dallas Goddard, he out-targeted, out-targeted Zach Ertz again, just like week one. And I told you guys I sold Ertz for Hurst in a Dynasty last week. Feeling pretty good about it. Because, uh, you know, I'll say in Ertz, he, this might be the year. This might be the year, especially with the contract negotiations, like coming to a halt and failing. It's not looking good for him. Jalen Rager, he gets limited targets. You know, he only got four, but he looked really good. He was very efficient. And despite the fact that he's like playing through a shoulder injury that he's going to have to have surgery on in the offseason, I like him. And I think it's going to help once, hopefully once, bounces back. You somebody you guys know I was high on. And... Hopefully, you know, hopefully the offensive line can start getting better. Uh, clicking a little bit, Miles Sanders helps. Uh, Alshon comes back, hopefully. That will help, you know. So hopefully, you know, that whole offense just gets better. But Miles Sanders also looked good. He finally came back. And lastly, Boston Scott, he's not the sleeper that some people touted him as. You guys know I wasn't touting it. But Sanders, he had seven seven targets in his first game back to Boston Scott's three. And Boston Scott does not really get any carries. So he wasn't really that great of a sleeper. Now, if Sanders gets hurt or something and then Boston Scott takes over, but that's a different story. Then we have the Packers-Lions game. So surprisingly, Aaron Rodgers didn't do as good as I thought he would. You know, I thought he was going to have a good game. I thought everyone was going to have a good game. I thought him and uh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, I thought all three of them were going to go off because I thought Green Bay would get up early and I thought they would do it through the passing game with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and then Aaron Jones would take over. All of those things were right except the means that they got up up quick. They got up quick with Aaron Jones and then still let Aaron Jones finish it out. So Devontae Adams, and also Devontae Adams, got hurt with a hammy. But it's supposed to be minor. They're saying it might not even impact next week. So, you know, hopefully we dodged a bullet as Devontae Adams' owners. But that's pretty much the whole story on the Packers. And then with the Lions' side of the ball, you can't play any of the Lions' running backs – once Kenny Galladay gets back with confidence, like really personally, I wouldn't play any of them at all now, even if, Ken- while Kenny's out. But why do I say when Kenny's back? Because DeAndre Swift, he's kind of playable because of receptions right now, but his receptions might go back when Kenny Galladay gets back. And, you know, carry had a touchdown. Adrian Peterson's still getting carries. So honestly, like it, it is what I thought, you know, Adrian Peterson's going to kill Swift's value, kill carry value. And everyone just hurts hurts themselves so I'm not really touching any of the running backs there and then we can now move to the Bears and Giants game so Mitch Trubisky he had another good game and he leads the Bears to 2-0 and which is pretty insane but Sterling Shepard he seems to have turf toe Saquon's out for the year with the torn ACL I already told you guys I'm dropping 50% minimum on Deion Lewis Anthony Miller a whopping zero receptions on three targets David Montgomery had a really good game as expected and remember I don't know if you guys remember this but David Montgomery he had a great game and I called him as one of my favorite starts of the week in Thursday's episode even though I'm not a big Monty guy I just it all lined up for me this the game script the fact that the Giants defense sucks and that Monty actually looked pretty good in week one look he looked really good in week two again unfortunately it could have been even better he had a 20 point game but it could have been even better because he missed some time because he injured his neck, but then he returned. And, you know, that touchdown, if if you look it up, you didn't see it. Go watch it. It's really good. Um, You know, he looks pretty quick and agile, which is kind of surprising because he's, you know, not known as a type of guy that's like that. So I was very impressed with that touchdown. And then Allen Robinson, he disappointed again. That's two weeks in a a row. Sorry. And, you know, it's part of the Trubisky process. Honestly, that's all it is. And then let's talk about the Jaguars Titans. Look, I already told you Minshew, 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 Minshew. You guys know I love Minshew, and I'm going to victory lap that all season. So I'm not going to go too crazy on it. But Minshew goes nuts again. James Robinson still looks really good and very efficient. DJ Chark, I'm not going to lie, starting to worry me a little bit. Starting to worry me. Now, I'm not going to make any, you know, rash conclusions. It's been two weeks. They've played good defenses they have two easy matchups coming up. I believe I believe their next two matchups are the Dolphins on Thursday and the Bengals next week. So, you know, we'll see what Chark does after that. If Chark is still struggling in terms of target count, because he's right now, Chark has a 10% or like 10.7% target share. He only has seven targets on 65 total pass attempts from Gardner that's horrible horrible we all thought Chuck was a lock for 20 plus percent and he's half of that so far so i'm worried but i'm not gonna do anything yet i'm just gonna hold him wait to see what happens these next two weeks then i'll be severely worried if you know he doesn't pick it up a little bit because keelan cole right now is the number one then we have Tannehill. somehow some way that offense is still hyper efficient when is it going to come down look i am a math guy i'm a stat guy this there's no way this continues from like from last year last year they were insane Tannehill was like the most efficient quarterback in so many metrics he was averaging over 13 yards per completion while also being over 70 percent yard uh 70 percent completion percentage and he's like just continuing the hyper efficiency this year it's insane so i mean they haven't had like a very tough matchup yet and i'm hoping they definitely don't have a matchup that's tough versus the vikings and tan Hill's going to be great versus the vikings again but i uh, i I don't know i i just i can't trust that passing game i, I just can't you know johnny doesn't get a lot of targets aj brown doesn't well he's hurt right now Corey davis doesn't get a lot of targets it's just like are you really gonna trust like something that has to be perfect like, the the Titans, they have to be perfect for their players to be good in terms of efficiency because they get su- such little volume. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, they would get way more volume if the efficiency went down. That's usually the case, and it would happen a little bit, but it wouldn't happen to the extent, in my opinion, that would still make them just as good as they are when they're efficient. With that said, that's it for that game. Jets, 49ers. Let's talk about it. Jimmy G out for maybe a week he might miss this next week uh, initially it was a bigger scare they were worried about it but you know part of the benefit of waiting this long to do the podcast was I got more information on all the injuries so now they're looking at it as day-to-day he's gonna test it out see how it feels so maybe he doesn't miss any time at all Raheem Moster, however he's out maybe a few weeks because of his MCL and you know maybe when you hear this podcast there's new info but you know, so you could check it out, but I think this one's probably gonna stay up to date uh when it comes to you know it being Monday night right now, technically Tuesday morning, uh before it comes out in four hours, also on Tuesday morning. So those are the injuries, and then we have Jordan Reed. I told you guys already he stepped up big time. Tevin Coleman sucks, plain and simple. So check out McKinnon. And also Coleman's missing time. Chris Herndon, he cannot handle being the number one target. Four only four targets couldn't really get open too much and he only pulled in one reception he really struggled he needs Crowder out there like I'm still high on Herndon still high on Crowder but they both need to be out there to help each other because if it's just one of them the defense has nobody to worry about Le'Veon Bell's not even healthy yet so literally the defense only had to worry about Chris Herndon that was it so obviously he's gonna have a tough time it's not like anything against him he's just gonna have a hard time And the Jets suck and may get the number one pick. I actually put out a poll and I said, you know, with everything we know now to this point, who is going to win the Trevor race or, or who's most likely to get the number one overall pick? And I gave three options and then I gave like an other. And the options I included were the Jets, the, I believe giants and the panthers yes that was definitely the three and then i had another you know thinking some people still might think the Bengals. some people might say the vikings um which by the way i said earlier this season people ripped me apart on twitter but i said the vikings might be the worst team in their division it might happen it might happen so you know don't throw so much shade guys let's be respectful right but the vikings horrible team they, you know, lost all their corners. They lost Everson Griffin. They're just, they're struggling. They're really, really struggling. And yeah, the Jets won that poll by a mile. It was like 80% of the Jets. And then everything else was like, you know, spread out pretty evenly between the other three options. The Jets, they suck. They They really suck. And they have horrible coaching as well. So no, thank you um, for any of the Jets other than Herndon and Crowder. I don't even care that Braxton Berrios had a a good game or anything like that. I don't think that's, you can't rely on anybody there except for those two. And Bell when he gets back, hopefully if he's healthy. Then we got, we're almost done. We only got four games left. I'll try and speed this up a little bit. Not too, too fast. Vikings Colts. The Vikings, they might be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I already said that. Sorry. Jonathan Taylor. He looked okay, but he got a good workload. He got 25 carries, only 100 yards off the 25 carries, so so not super efficient, but he he looked okay. He made some nice cuts and made a few people miss. Paris Campbell got hurt, and that's a pretty extensive injury. We don't have a timetable on that, but it could be really long, so that's unfortunate. You know, somebody that looked like he was picking up steam. And also Jonathan Taylor, going back to him, he came back to earth. Only two targets. Only two targets. And Naheem Hines was non-existent. Everyone just blew all that money on Hines, and... And Marlon Max out, and it was all Taylor. Like, Hines didn't get anything. He only got one touch, so that's insane. And then Michael Pittman finally got involved, but Hilton disappointed again, starting to get worried about Hilton. But hopefully he bounces back now that Campbell's going to be gone, too. It's just going to be Pit- the Pittman-Hilton-Taylor show, apparently, with, I'm sure Naheem Hines is not going to just suck. I'm sure he'll be fine. Now let's get to my game, my Bucks. Bucks versus Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, he's out for four to six weeks. Mike Evans dominates with Brady, okay? Like, he was not himself week one. He was dealing with a hammy, and he had, like, 70-plus yards pulled in from pass interferences, so his stat she didn't show it, but he really affected the game still. Mike Evans and Brady, that's a fire combo. Gronk, he's just a blocker for the Bucks, and I love the decision to do so, honestly, because it, it really just helps the offense flow better. I'm just surprised that Gronk came back to do that. Uh, I mean, that's amazing to me. Hopefully, he stays help, happy and motivated to help Brady and hopefully they give him some, you know, end zone fades every once in a while, give him opportunities. But he's just a blocker; he's droppable for sure. Brady, oh my gosh, (sighs) Brady had three dropped touchdown passes. Three. He could have had a huge day. He could have turned in five pass touchdowns. There was, I counted at least six drops, at least six drops in the game, and three of them were touchdown passes. Lashawn McCoy dropped one. Scotty Miller dropped one, and Cyril Grayson dropped one. All of those were going to the house. Scotty and LaShawn were in the end zone when they dropped it, and Grayson was, there was nobody near him. He was definitely going to just waltz right into the end zone if he caught it. So that sucked, and that was super frustrating for Brady, stuff he's not used to. Hopefully, you know, that stuff gets cleaned up, but also Godwin wasn't there. He's he's not going to have to worry about problems like that with Godwin and Evans most of the time. And then the Bucks defense is legit. Watch out. Check the waivers, like I said earlier. And the one thing from the Panther side, Robbie Anderson is getting a healthy target share actually and he's not too bad with Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of people didn't like the pairing cuz oh Teddy doesn't like to throw deep blah 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 blah. He he's fine. Robbie Anderson's going to be fine. Um I do like I do have to say I was not as high on him compared to what he's doing right now, but it wasn't because of that. It wasn't the pairing thing. It was just I didn't think that he was going to get as much work as he's been getting Curtis Samuel kind of just like forgotten about and Robbie's just getting everything him and obviously DJ Moore and that that's it on that game. Now let's talk about so I'm going to finish the night with the game that we just finished watching or that I just finished watching now, which was the Raiders Saints game and I'm going to rewind the clock all the way back. First game of week two, Bengals Browns guys, guys, we made it. He's here and it has begun. Joe Burrow. I stacked Joe Burrow with Tyler Boyd everywhere. Let's freaking go. More than 50% of my money leagues, Joe Burrow and Boyd, I started both of them together. Because pretty much any league that I'm in, like more than half of the leagues I'm in, I have Burrow and Boyd because I would never let anybody else draft them. Like I always made sure I got those two guys because they were two of my favorite guys this year. And they looked pretty good. Gotta say, looked pretty good. Burrow played great. Played great. I'll say it again, great. Okay. And he shows that he keeps plays alive with his legs. And he threw 67 times or 66 times and zero interceptions. Do you know how hard that is? Especially as a rookie. Especially playing catch up. It, it, it was a great game. Now let's talk about AJ Green. Kinda shifting tones here. AJ Green should have gotten negative fantasy points for that performance. That's it. That, that that that's my analysis. Thirteen targets, thirteen targets, lowest yards on the team. I counted personally. I counted. This is some people are going to think this is harsh, but you're an NFL wide receiver. So we get paid to catch the balls. I counted four drops, three drops that hit both of his hands. Not oh, he touched it. Drop. No, no, no. It hit both of his hands. And he dropped it three times. That's three. The fourth one, he caught on the sideline, but he didn't tap his toes down. So I count that as a drop too, because most wide receivers would have been able to put their feet down on that. He didn't. He's, this is kind of harsh, but he he's washed. Like compared to the AJ Green we knew, the AJ Green that we loved, the AJ Green that was a really, really good wide receiver. He's not that guy. He's nowhere near that guy. And, you know, maybe... His efficient Well, his efficiency is definitely going to gonna go up. He only caught four balls out of 13 targets. It's There's no way that's... It's not possible to be that bad. And, you know, some of the balls were not placed in great spots by Burrow. But he was... Like, there's no excuse for drops. There's no excuse for drops, especially when it hits both hands. So, A.J. Green, yikes. T. Higgins, he has a chance to step up, especially if they start losing faith in A.J. Green. Drew Sample, he's worth a low-budget waiver, if if you want to take a shot there, if you need some help at tight end, he's another, you know, tight end that come is coming out of nowhere, looking pretty good. The Browns run game dominated, but it was an easy matchup. Look, I, I, I said, you know, I thought both of them were decent plays. Chubb and Hunt, though, will probably never have a better combined game. They combined for 50, 50 fantasy points. I would be extremely surprised if that happened again this year. And I'm still low on Chubb. And I think this is actually, well, actually, I'll talk about that later. We'll get to that um but yeah nick chubb kareem hunt great game easy defense they're nowhere near the saints in that year where kamara was a rookie and they had him and ingram and like they combined for like 20 something touchdowns and were you know one of them was top 10 the other was top 20 like that's not going to happen with chubb and hunt the the browns don't have a good enough offense to produce at that level so i still don't think chubb can finish as a rb1 despite this amazing game and hunt i think is still going to be a solid flex play odell odell beckham he had a good day but i'm worried about him you know he only had he he didn't have much receptions he only had seven targets i believe it was seven targets let me actually pull it up just to make sure it was thursday so it's kind of it's kind of far back there, kind of hard for me to remember so let me just check real quick pulling it up now and joe burrow or sorry odell beckham he only had six six targets even worse great six targets four receptions and he had that touchdown catch, which, by the way, everyone was like, oh, that was a great pass. That was a great catch. He caught it off his helmet. Did nobody notice that? Like, it literally hit Odell Beckham in his face and bounced into his hands, and he caught the ball. Like, give me a break. Um, and then that's basically what I got on the Bengals and Browns. Uh, obviously, Boyd. Like, what else do you want me to say? Boyd, victory lap. Boyd, I'm going to do it again in a second. Raiders-Saints, the game that just finished. Jacobs and Kamara are both monsters. Guess what? So is Darren Waller. Darren Waller's a monster. We had an article; it's been up for months now, on the website written, written by my boy Drew about talking why Darren Waller he's gonna get a why he was gonna get a, a monster target share, why he is a locked in top tight end, and actually he threw out a hot take. Now this is not my hot take; he threw out a hot take that Darren Waller finishes his tight end one. Obviously, I don't think that's gonna happen, but top three could definitely happen. And you know, it was the Walrus Show. Today, it was the show. Today, Waller was everywhere. He was, man, he was just he was sick, guys. He was really sick. And Rugs, Rugs really helps that offense. His stat line doesn't show it, but he makes a huge impact for the team. Late in the game, if you didn't see it, it was third and one. Ballsy call, ballsy call by John Gruden. Third and one, but I kind of liked it. I, I would have preferred like a, a safer pass, but it worked out perfectly for them. They take a deep shot when they're up by... What were they up by? They were up by seven. They were up by seven. There's like a little over two minutes left. And they're on their side of the field. They don't want to give the ball back to Drew Brees. Third and one, he decides to pass it. And he dials up a deep shot to Henry Ruggs. And Janoris Jenkins holds him. Because Ruggs gets in front of him. He's super fast. Janoris Jenkins gets nervous. Holds him. Pass interference is called, and the Raiders put the game away. So that was really helpful from Ruggs. I mean, his and his speed and his his threat also opens things up for Waller and Jacobs, who has been running his mind out. He looked great. Unfortunately, he didn't get any touchdowns for the guys that had Jacobs, but trust me, he, that guy is a monster. Just wait on it. Then New Orleans Saints had nobody arise as a great target for Thomas's absence. Traquan Smith was good, but he only had seven targets. I don't really trust it you know we've seen him have a couple flashes in the pan here and there. I think this was just another one of those. I don't think he's like going to be great while Thomas is out. And that was that was basically the summary of this game. Like Drew Brees is, he threw all, his interception was horrible. It was atrocious. It was one of the worst interceptions I've seen in a while. And that's I mean, that's rough coming from a Bucks fan, but it was a really bad pass. And that's what I got in the the, you know, game wrap-ups now. We're going to try and get through this stuff a little bit faster for you guys don't want to take up all your time let's talk about some buy lows. okay Kenyon drake he's a good buy low in my opinion he's got no touchdowns yet they're gonna come he even said on twitter hey if you ain't happy with my performance drop me and let me win some leagues for someone else and i truly believe that and it has nothing to do with the fact he tweeted that i just thought i'd mention it because it's funny antonio gibson the touches are there And he'll probably start to get a little more touches in the receiving game, only two targets. And, you know, if that offense just gets a little bit better, Antonio Gibson's going to be really good. So Antonio Gibson's a good buy low. Jerry Judy, if somebody doesn't really put the pieces together and realize, hey, all these people are hurting the Broncos offense, Judy's going to get a lot of work. If they don't do that, grab Judy now because he could be a solid wide receiver to the rest of the season. Cam Akers, somebody needs help. And Cam Akers is, you know, has the questionable tag right now and they're worried about Akers. And you can, you know, you don't need him right now. And you could just wait and put him on the bench and let him sit for a couple weeks. Do that because Cam Akers could be a league winner down the stretch. Jalen Rager. I told you guys, I like him. Things going to be good. Daniel Jones. The defenses that he's seen so far have been tough. It's going to get easier. And now he's going to have to throw the ball like crazy. So even if he's not good, he'll be good for fantasy because of volume. And he still can run the ball a little bit. Not really, though if we're being honest. And then lastly, Allen Robinson. He's a good buy low as well. He's been horrible with Trubisky, but I think it'll get better. And if Trubisky regresses, then they'll put in Nick Foles, and that'll be good for Allen Robinson. So I think Allen Robinson is a fine buy low. Let's talk about some sell highs. Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to do what he's done so far to this point. He's not going to keep it up. So Aaron Rodgers is a good sell high. Johnu Smith, only five targets yet. He caught all of them and got two touchdowns. He's a good sell high. Uh, What's the difference between him and Higby to me? The Rams' offense, I trust them more, and they pass a lot more than the Titans' offense. So that's why I don't have that same problem with Higby, in my opinion. So I'm selling high on Johnu. Then Odell Beckham, I'm selling high. People think he had a good game? Great. Take him off my team. Nick Chubb, same thing. He looked great, and I, he's a great player. He is. But he had 22 attempts, two touchdowns, and he still didn't get much receiving in, in terms of receiving work. Only one target, one reception. So honestly, like Chubb... <laughs> No, thanks. He's not going to be an RB1. And if somebody values him as RB1, and I'm sure somebody in your league does, especially after the game versus the Bengals, trade him to that person. I would, this might sound crazy to you guys, but I would trade Chubb for Drake, straight up. It's obviously, me receiving Drake. And then, let's talk about where I was right, where I was wrong. Victory laps, Tyler Higby season. Calvin Ridley, top 12, top 10 wide receiver in my projections and my rankings this year. And it's looking like that's going to smash. Todd Gurley, I told you guys he was a sit. He was a bust this week. That worked out. Tyler Boyd, I called the breakout. That worked out. Joe Burrow and Gardner Minshew as top 12 quarterbacks. That's looking super nice right now. I called David Montgomery having a great game. And I told you all to stay away from the Saints because Raiders. Raiders got the win versus Saints. I told you that was a game that I wasn't staying away from. Actually, was that? That might have been on our podcast, but I also guessed it on a podcast. It might have been there when I said it. Um, I was on Win Daily Sports. We were talking sports betting and stuff. Um, So I don't know if I said it on both, actually. But, yeah, that game, I was not feeling that game at all for the Saints. I I was talking about how I could easily see the Raiders winning, and it turned out that it was true. It happened. And let's talk about – that was the victory laps. Let's talk about some defeat duds because, you know, I keep it transparent. Some things that I got wrong – I told you guys Michael Gallup was going to be a great start. He had a bad day. Melvin Gordon, I told you, he was probably going to have a bad day. He had a good day. And I told you Derrick Henry was probably a really good start for DFS and somebody that I had in a lot of places. And he didn't go off. He he had a perfect matchup, you know. And he he just didn't, he didn't do it. And yeah, that's what I got for you guys with the victory laps, with the defeat duds, you know, where I was right, where I was wrong. Then we have... Last thing, finish off the podcast. The survivor pick result. We're still alive, baby. We are still alive. Seattle and Chargers are out the way so far. And if you guys are gonna keep rolling with me, I got a good one for this week, and I'm feeling good about it. And this week is actually this week is horrible. Like here, I'll just I'm gonna just name this off. This is gonna be real quick. I'm just gonna name off the game slate for this week, and you guys can make your own judgments. All right. So week 3. Bucks Broncos, I think Bucks easy. Right? Dolphins Jaguars. Ooh. Who knows. 49ers Giants. Yeah, 49ers, but most people already picked the 49ers. We didn't, thank goodness. Bears Falcons. Huh. Bengals Eagles. Huh. Raiders Patriots. Uh. Rams Bills. Uh. Texans Steelers. Uh or te- Texans Steelers. Uh like all these games could go either way like I'm not like these are all tough games to pick Titans Vikings Red I said it again Redskins Washington versus the Browns Jets versus the Colts maybe you're confident in that one Panthers Chargers um and like I would have actually well yeah no with McCaffrey out never mind Cowboys Seahawks that's a tough one again Lions Cardinals maybe you find comfort in that one with the Cardinals. Packers-Saints, that's tough. Chiefs-Ravens, that's tough. There's a lot of tough games to pick. So if somebody's not looking ahead, not looking ahead at the at the weeks, um, they're going to be struggling in Survivor this week. But I think I got a really good one. And I give you guys, you know, I usually give you guys three options. So I'll give you guys some backups. But we got a good one coming this week. And that's it. That's it for today. We went through a whole bunch of stuff. You know, waiver pickups, um, what we learned from the games, buy lows, sell highs. I I did a few victory laps and told you guys a few things that I missed on. So, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Remember, help me out if you really enjoy the podcast. If you listen to this point, clearly you do. Either that or you're super bored. Hopefully the latter. And yeah, if you have, you liked it. So give me a rating. Give me a review. It helps me out a lot. I'm trying to grow. And with that said, good luck. I hope you guys had a great week this week in fantasy. Good luck for next week, and I will see you guys on Thursday. Peace.